So I do covet your prayers. I do ask that if you come lost, that you would really seriously consider, consider, friend, your need of Jesus. Now, I'm going to preach on this one of these days, and I don't know why I'm telling you. I generally don't give anything away that I think I'm going to preach. But one of these days, I'm going to preach on an exclamation point or a question mark. Now, you're going to decide how you leave this world. You will leave it with an exclamation point without a doubt or a question wondering where they went in eternity. I know how I want to die. I hope you decide for yourself today. Galatians chapter 1, going to begin reading in verse 1. And I, I, I've tried not to read all these verses, but I believe that I'm supposed to, so I'm going to be obedient to the Spirit of God and do covet your prayers as we look together in the Word of God. Paul an apostle, beginning at verse 1, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me under the churches of Galatia. Galatia was addressing was a region that had several churches in it, by the way, just as a side note. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present even evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of God. Notice this next phrase, now unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel Preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have heard, uh, that, uh, which we have preached unto you. Listen to this phrase. Let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. Listen, let me tell you all something. It's major when the Word of God says something once, but when He puts a double emphasis upon it, He wants us to sit up and pay attention. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not after man. For I neither, neither received it of man, Neither was I told it but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Father, I'm so thankful for being in this place this morning. Thankful for the songs that have been sung, the prayers that have been prayed, the sweet testimonies that have been given. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers and, and on behalf of our sister, knowing, God, that you're able uh, to give not only light and light, but vision and anything else that we need. I pray today that you'd be glorified in all that is said and done and all, God, that we desire to do. We pray that you'd be honored. We want you in our midst. And what we do, God, we seek to glorify you. I pray if someone in here is lost that you would convict them of their sins, convince them of their need of Jesus. If someone's backslidden, God, I pray that you would just simply rustle the coals in their heart and may as you breathe the Spirit of God upon them, they be inflamed again. Help, Lord, that one that's a pretender to become real in Christ today and help us all, Father, to continue to look into the author and the finisher of our faith. And we'll be sure to praise you 
glorified because we ask it in that name that's above every name. In the name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior, and all of God's people said. Look, if you will, what Paul said again in verse 6 and 7. I marvel that you're so moved, soon removed from him that called you into the grace of God unto another gospel. Look what Paul says quickly, which is not another. I'm going to talk to you today for a little while about the truth about the gospel. The truth about the gospel. Now, I'm going to preach the gospel like I've never preached before. I'm going to say things probably in this message as God has given them to me that may surprise if not startle some of you all. But the gospel of the message is much more, although it is this in its foundation, although it is this in its glory, it's more than the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you begin to look at the gospel, it's inclusive of everything. Everything that there is in Christ, about Christ. And when you begin to thrash the word of God out, it's all about Him, God's only begotten Son, who came to seek and to save that which is lost. So don't let me frighten any of you. We're still going to be in the Word of God. But the gospel, friend, is without a doubt one of the great subjects of the Word of God. In fact, it's so important that in the New Testament it's mentioned no less than 101 times. And one of the remarkable things that I found out as I was studying for this message, do you all know that there are only 7 out of 27 books of the New Testament that does not mention the gospel? And one of those books is the gospel according to John. John never uses the word gospel, although he talks about the good news of Jesus God's Son being incarnate in the flesh throughout the 21 chapters that he writes. In the book of, in the book of James, 2 Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, in the book of Jude, no mention of the gospel. And yet, friend, it's all about uh, the Jesus Christ who uh, come to die for us and lives for us so that we can be saved. Even if that, it's a blessing. Y'all know the number seven is the number of completion. Or in this case, it could be perfection. Even, friend, in what is absent. Hey, God is perfect in what he does. Amen. The Word of God is an amazing book. The letter to the Galatians written by Paul, in my opinion, without a doubt, is the greatest treatise on the gospel of the grace of God that there is anywhere in the Word of God. In this book, the word gospel itself is used 11 times. And the only book that uses the word gospel more than Galatians is the book of Romans. And here in, the, in, the, in this epistle where Paul was standing against the Judaizers that were teaching that, you know, it's okay, like Paul says, to get saved by grace through faith. But in order to, quote, truly be saved, you've got to be circumcised like they did under the law of Moses and then keep the law of Moses. I'm here to tell you today, like Paul said, listen, we preach the grace of, God, of the gospel of the grace of God, and it is by grace through faith without addition of anything. And I say glory to God to that. So as you all know, we're living in the last days. 
Actually, I believe it's the last days of the last days. And you've heard me say many times from this pulpit, bless God, listen, friend, we're living in that last day apostasy that according to the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 2 and 3 is to precede the second coming of Christ. We live in a day when the church has been and continues to be transformed before our eyes. We live in a day when the church has gone from being a Christ centered organism to a man centered organization where they're more concerned about the quote felt needs unquote of men than they are the word of God I'm here to talk to you today about the truths of the gospel folks we're in a mess spiritually in America do you all realize that hey listen just because it's big doesn't mean it's better Oh, let me say that again. Just because it's big doesn't mean it's better. I can tell you the Word of God in the book of Deuteronomy and show you where thou shalt not follow a multitude to sin. Hey, listen, folks, the sad part of it is there's a lot of people in America today that don't even know what the gospel is. They don't know the power of it. In fact, a lot of churches are built in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, which says that uh, they have a form of godliness, so they deny the power thereof. You know the power that that's talking about? The power that's inherent in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They'll give philosophical presentations. They'll build up men's self-esteem. They'll ask them in an interview or through a survey of some sort what they want the preacher to preach about I'm here to tell you I've come to preach on what you need and not what you want that's the best I can do that's what God's called me to do in our day listen less emphasis is placed upon the truths of the Bible because man is placing more emphasis upon the experience of men In this day, when the gospel is preached to many churches, do you know what it's done? It's not made as a highlight. It's not made as the subject. It's not made of uh, uh, the central core uh, message of all that they do. It's thrown into the end. I mean, it's mentioned right at the end, friend. And you say, why? Well, they want Jesus to be looking almost like he's holding hat in hand as a a beggar wanting to get in. And many times the only reason they throw a, a mention of the gospel in at the end of their message is to try to give some semblance of, uh, of genuineness to the, uh, to the farce and to the parade and to the circus that they have just presented to a congregation of people who will never know how to escape the pits of hell. Now let me ask y'all something right here. Why are you all so blooming quiet? So far I'm preaching good. So far I'm on point. So far, I'm preaching you what is real in America. And you listen to what this old preacher say. This church come that kind of a church in a heartbeat if we don't hold fast that which has been given to us. And as long as I'm on point, I'm going to stand on the gospel. Far too many places where a clear declaration of the gospel has been replaced by someone leading a congregation is more concerned about people giving people what they want instead of what they need. We, we 
churches that have pastors that say, oh, you don't need to tell men they're a sinner. They already know that. I got news for you. They don't know that they're sinners. They know you are, but they don't know they are. And the Bible clearly says whether we like it or not, offends us or not, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Thank God we don't all do as bad as we can do, but we're all as bad off as we can be, meaning we all need a Savior. So what you think, first of all, about the ministry of the gospel? Folks, it's important. I, I, I mean, I've apologized to my family. I mean, I was so stinking eat up with it. When I first got called to preach, I could feel the pressure of duty, the weight of carrying the gospel, the weight of dealing with men. So, y'all, hey, listen to me, and I, I, I've got to get back to my outline. If I don't, I'll get in trouble. We'll be here longer than what you want us to be. Y'all know every Sunday that I stand before you or any time I fill a pulpit, y'all know what I'm dealing with? I'm dealing with the souls of man. I'm dealing with souls of man that are either be lost for eternity or saved for eternity. And if that doesn't grip a man's heart, and I'm not going to say a woman because a woman ought not get behind the pulpit trying to preach and act like a man. But when a man gets in this pulpit, if that truth doesn't grip his heart, he's got a problem from the get-go. I've got to give an account of every one of y'all. And I go to bed at times thinking how I dread my time at the Bema. So look, I work to be as good as I can. It may not appear that to you, but I'm going to tell you, I take the ministry of the gospel serious. It is a serious thing. I just wrote and underlined three times to preach the gospel. According to Romans chapter 1, 1, Paul said, you know what he said? He said, I'm separated under the gospel. In other words, Paul said this. Paul said, now that I've been saved and called and commissioned, the gospel is not just something I do. It's my life. Life, nothing else matters. I was talking to the Lord yesterday how pitiful my life is and yet how blessed it is. I have no hobbies. There, there's no place I want to go. There's nothing I want to buy. There's nothing else I want to become than what I am. Sinner saved of the grace of God called to the gospel ministry. I love spending anywhere from three to five hours every morning at my desk and going back when I can. I love preparing for preaching and teaching. I long to be here in your midst. I love this good, ugly bunch of people. No, I love you all beautiful. I just, I just knew that would get your attention if I said that. I love being here with you. I love this more than anything in my life. People said, people say, well, he said, said is, is that what you do? And I said, no, bless God. It's not what I do. It's what I am. I, I, I just don't do the thing that a preacher does. I, I just don't do the thing that a Christian This is my life. And I say glory to God for it. If a man is called to the gospel ministry and he fails to be faithful to the ministry, 
and the message of, of the gospel and the commission God has laid on his life. Look with me, if you will, verses 8 and 9 of our text passage. And I want to highlight it. He said, but though we are an angel preaching unto gospel unto you, then that ye have heard, let him be accursed. As we said before, so I say again, if any man preaches unto the gospel unto you, that which ye have received, let him be accursed. You know what I'm going to say about that? I'm going to say, wow. Now I'll explain why I'm saying wow. Look at that word accursed. You know, what it, you know what the word is? It means anathema. I love that word. You'll find anathema connected with Maranatha over in the book of 1 Corinthians 16, I believe it is. Let him be accursed. You know what that word means when it's defined? It means, now get ready for this friend, it's very strong. It means let him be devoted to destruction. Let him be damned to be a curse. Let me tell you something, friend. You can't get any stronger in language than that. It is a serious thing to handle the gospel of Jesus Christ and to deal with souls of lost mankind. Men today are only preaching. Most men today, I'll even say, in this pragmatic emergent church transformed when God intended it to be church age. I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Now, there's a lot of great men faithful, don't take that wrong, but I'm afraid the numbers are growing smaller and smaller. I'm afraid more of them, friend, are not preaching the truth of the gospel. They're glad to give one side of it, and I'm going to tell you what both sides are. Friend, look, it's a serious thing to disobey God's call in this age. No one is expected to be dogmatic about anything. And if they are, it simply means that they're, that they're narrow-minded and ignorant according to this society. You remember when all people had some degree of conviction? People don't even know that there's a word conviction in the, in, in the dictionary nowadays. You mean to tell me you're standing for something? You mean to tell you your convictions won't let you do this, go there, say that, be that? Absolutely. And though you all may not agree with my biblical convictions when I preach them, and I know some of you don't, it's fun to watch y'all when I preach certain things. Lord God, it's hilarious. You know, I mean, it's amazing what you can see. In, in the, now, that doesn't mean you don't love me when you disagree with me. That's not what I'm saying. And that's okay if you don't agree with my conviction. But you ought to be glad that you've got a pastor that's got some. Amen. Thank God. I li- I, one of the greatest compliments a man's ever given me was a man who used to be Doug and Sally's pastor. His name is, is Hensley, Steve Hensley, right? Debbie Steve. I preached for him several times. He was gracious and gave me his pulpit. And, uh, and, and I even preached on what I believe. And I preached on I believe in the King James Bible. And they were using the RSV from a Southern Baptist. And I didn't know that. I just figured if he's Baptist, bless God, he's King James. I mean, I'm ignorant. We got up one night after I preached. I said, well, I'm going to tell you something about Tom. He said, may not always be right, but he's never in doubt. That was a compliment. That was a compliment. Are you all still with me? If someone has convictions, it means they're willing to stand on and for something. They're not well received in this pitiful liberal society that can't even, they say, they can't even tell an individual's gender. God, help us, friend. I don't know. I'm not real smart, but I know the difference between black and white. Morning and evening, bitter and sour, and man and woman. 
But in order to please God and not man, a man who preaches for heaven's approval, not man's acceptance, he must preach the gospel that is true to the Word of God. The, the, the gospel that records the divine message of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And a man seeks to please, if a man seeks to please God, he's not pleasing, seeking to please men. And when he isn't, he must preach it in the power, plain, plainly in the power of the gospel, plainly, clearly, and repetitively. I'm glad the gospel never gets old. You ever, you ever have something that wears out? Devin and I were in the living room yesterday, I believe it was, sitting for a little while. And on one of the shelves in a place where she's got some stuff, and she's got stuff in almost every place there is that you can put stuff, which is all right, that makes up our home, I love her. On a shelf, she has an old rag doll like thing that she got when she was a kid, and I've got Robbie the Robot sitting up there. She said, how old were you when I got there? And I said, well, anywhere from three to five. And I remember the day, I mean, thing put two diesel batteries in it, and its eyes would light up, and it turned to the left and turned to the right, and even had a back on it, a little beeper on the button, and you could hit the button, it would send out Morse code. and had an antenna that went up. And in his front, he had a drawer, a little plastic drawer in his belly. He had, I remember it had a wrench, a screwdriver, and I don't know, maybe a little hammer. Well, the drawer and the screwdriver and the hammer's gone. The lights don't light up. The antenna's missing. You know what I'm saying? Things change. But you know what we got to do? Listen, we've got to preach a message that is timely and timeless. And I'll say that again. We need to remember what 2 Peter 3, 2 and 3 says. That in these days, there were men who used feign or plastic words. Y'all remember Josh preaching through the book of Second Peter? Boy, I do. If you don't remember, it's on sermon audio. I'd encourage you to listen to all those messages our, our brother preached. And they used these plastics or malleable, that's the idea, words to pervert, it's a Bible word, or to twist it and change it, message to where it is platable or pleasing or, or acceptable uh, to men. Can I tell you what? I never read the Word of God where Jesus preached that way. He just simply preached it and put it out there and said, you either accept it or reject it. We got preachers today that look down on the baby boomers. I, I got their testimony. Not the way I'm saying it, but they say, they say in essence, baby boomers can't take the tough stuff. Am I right, Josh? You know what they say? They say they already got enough trouble. They're already under enough stress. They don't need somebody in the pulpit spitting and sweating like T.K. Price and just screaming at them and pounding in the pulpit and acting like a fool. Hey, I may be acting like a fool, but I'm not preaching a fool's gospel. And I'm not acting. I'm just being all I am. So it's, if I'm a fool, that's just exactly what I am. Listen, folks, it's serious. Do you hear me? They use plastic words to make merchandise men in these last days. We understand this is how men are succeeding in building what they're calling the pragmatic church, the emergent church, or the seeker-sensitive church. Lana, it's okay if I ask you something. You don't have to answer. Just nod your head. Okay, I'm not trying to embarrass you. Did it seem like we were glad you were here when you came Last week, right? 
Sister, let me tell you, we were. Did it seem like we were seeking to give you something to tell you the good news of the gospel? Did it seem? Sister, we were. Amen. And we didn't listen to get her here. God sent her. I'm still wanting to hear more about how she said she found us on the, on the internet, on the Dunbar Bulletin, whatever that may be. I'm ignorant of that. have no idea. But I'm glad. Okay, I'm glad. Let me tell you something. I believe God had a hand in it all the way. We didn't do anything. We didn't, we didn't promise. We didn't say we'll tone it down. We, we, we didn't say this or that. We didn't even provide our cappuccino in our coffee lounge and donuts to go with it. We just simply opened the doors of an edifice that we built. I proclamate the gospel and watch men and women grow. It's all we're called to do. Oh, we do a lot of things from this pulpit. We, we counsel, we pet, we curry. We encourage, we lift up, we strengthen, we exhort, we reprove, we rebuke, we exhort with long-suffering and, and sound doctrine that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, entire, unto uh, all good things, wanting nothing. I know I messed that up. But friend, listen, I just want to be biblical. They use plastic words and are employing pragmatic messages. So what is a pragmatic message? The ideology in the pragmatic church age in which we live, they say if it gets what we want done, done, then it's okay. No, it's not. I don't know how to say that. I'm not sure where I got it. The way, the end is not justified by the means. Did I say that right? I'll tell you what, friend, if you got the wrong means, you end up in the wrong place. You see, they're so involved in pleasing men that they've forgotten about pleasing God. And you know what our church is? You know, hey, listen, I've read their testimonies. It's documented. I'm not making this stuff up. You know what these churches, friend, that are no longer making the gospel as a central frame of their preaching, you know what they're doing? They're coming together wanting the power of God to fall on them. Hey, let me tell everybody something. You don't preach the gospel and you don't have no power. Let me say that to your side. Help me out more than they did. If you don't preach the gospel, you don't got no power. Let me say it to y'all. If you don't preach the gospel, you don't have any power. Just that. But they're praying for power. It amazes me. Now, their attempts to replace what they've lost shows up and I'll never forget one time I was reading a periodical that I get and it says uh, learn ventriloquism is that how you say it? become a ventriloquist and bring a dummy into your pulpit I thought dude I don't need another one in there I'm thinking you got to be kidding me and I, it, it, was, it, was, it was in a Christian periodical decided to downplay the gospel, change their method in presenting it. They'd be more positive and less negative in preaching and do whatever they must do in order to entertain. Listen, I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to edify you. Now, some people say I am entertaining, especially when my leg does crazy things. I did that on purpose. But there's every now and then that leg will lose the pull of gravity. Do you hear me? Anyway, I'm only about halfway done and I'm wore out. May I say, as humbly as, as, as I can and yet as clear as I can, 
According to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, my job is to preach the gospel. I'm to preach the gospel to a congregation and not entertain a crowd. I'm not here to be brief, but I'm here to preach the whole counsel of God. Besides that, when I had that, when I had that course in, in seminary, the title of it was The Five B's of a Preacher. I flunked it. I did. It's the only class I ever failed. You know what the five B's are? Be brief, brother. Be brief. Y'all should have enjoyed that way more. I've been watching the clock, but I'm stopping now, right now. I've been called to preach, folks. I've been called to preach the message that is offensive in itself, according to Galatians 5, 11. The gospel is offensive to lost mankind. It hurts his feelings. Bless God when it grips his soul, it'll make him a fit subject of the kingdom of heaven. It's offensive because it confronts our sin and brings us face to face to the reality of our sinful self. I'm not to preach to be offensive. I'm just to preach what is offensive. The truth about the gospel. I'll talk to you about the truth and about the gospel and its revelations. And I want to take us therefore a little deeper in the thinking that we do about the message. Do you know, although the gospel means good news, it was not intended, as many people wrongly think, to bring peace on earth. Because of what the angels said, glory to God in the highest, uh, peace on earth, goodwill to men. I've got the words of Jesus that refutes that kind of thinking. According to Matthew chapter 10, 34, Jesus said, Think not that I have come to bring peace, but a sword. Wasn't that what you just said, Greg? The gospel is divisive. It divides by its very truth, by its very being. It divides, it separates men. It even divides houses. Mothers from daughters, fathers from uh, sons. It divides husband from wife and so forth. The gospel is sweet and pure. Why, it's the very stuff of heaven, but it's also divisive. It's offensive because it reveals man's greatest need. You see, it forces man. Listen to what God let me write. It forces man to confront his life in light of pure and eternal truth. It forces man to see himself in the light that God sees him in. And listen to this statement. It reveals truth about a God not made in man's image of him. Did you all hear that? After I wrote that, I looked at it and I said, that's good. That come from heaven. You see, a lot of men try to remake God to their liking. That's why you got how many versions of the Bible now, Josh? 400? He's always trying to find something will suit him. God has written a book to suit himself. And the more we get into it and submit to it, the more it will suit God. And we'll be happy when we do that. You see, the gospel and its revelation reveals two great things. And both of John chapter 3. Look with me really quick. Hurry, hurry with me, and I'll get done quick. Ha, ha, ha. No, I'm just kidding. 
Y'all didn't catch that or you didn't hear. Or you didn't care. One of the other. Look at John 3.16. Y'all know this? John 3.16. The gospel reveals, listen, God is balanced in all of his attributes. Would y'all agree with me on that? He doesn't love more than he is holy. He's not more holy than he is righteous. He's as just in his love as he is in his wrath. He's as great in his wrath as he is in his love. God, in all of his moral attributes, his natural attributes, is balanced perfectly. He's not a man. Listen to what he says, John 3, 16. You all know it, for God so loved the world. That's part of the gospel that's being propagated regularly and probably multitude of places today. That's a Joel Olstein gospel right there. Not offensive. Never preaches about hell. Never warns about law being lost and standing before God at the great white throne judgment. Never standing before God giving account of why they rejected his son who died at Calvary. I mean, I'm just telling you, friend, what, what's the truth? That's the gospel that Joel and many, many, many others. You remember I told you about Joel? No pastor ought to smile all the time. Where's me out. Y'all don't want to get me off on what Andy Stanley's been saying. Dear Lord God of heaven, folks, it's amazing. And then the people still follow me. And I'll preach a message like this and run people off and they won't follow me. I'll tell you what, I'll stand on what I'm preaching this morning. I'm not the best preacher, but I preach the best gospel. There is for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten Son, who shall believe and shall not perish but have everlasting life. Look, if you will, verse 36 of the same chapter. I wonder how many preachers in America do, like me and Josh and Greg do. When we talk about the gospel, we talk about heaven and hell, friend, we give both sides, the love of God and the wrath of God. I had a man by the name of, uh, uh, Lord, what's his name? I've called his name so many times from this pulpit. I used to be the chaplain over hospice. Purcell, Boyd Purcell, he abused me in a class. He was preaching or teaching down at uh, grad school on... Uh, on spiritual abuse. I told him, I said, you've spiritually abused me in this class, Mr. Purcell. And he had. He told me that if I preach, if I preach hell hot, if I preach the reality of a man dies lost, he'll spend an eternity uh, away from God, he told me I'm abusing people. And I looked at him and told him, I said, if I don't warn him, I'm abusing him the more. Look what he said in John 3, 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. But wait, doesn't stop there. That's good news. I love that. But it goes on to say, He that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth upon him. Can I tell you, sinner friend, God has already judged you. You're living under condemnation. And it's not now a matter if when you die you go to hell. The only matter is, is when you die and go to hell. You've already been judged in Adam and Eve, and unless you come to Jesus and run to Him, and if you're lost, please don't wait till I preach another line, say another word, run to the altar, bow your head where you're at, repent of your sin, and by faith receive Christ as your Savior. You're already living under the condemnation of God. The gospel not only reveals something about God that's positive, 
something that's negative. It also reveals things about man. It reveals the depravity of man, the righteousness he lacks in order to be accepted by God. It also reveals how purely wicked his sinful heart is as we see how he treated God's only son in the crucifixion. Do you all know that everybody in the world was represented by somebody at Calvary? Y'all do know that, don't you? You say, I wasn't at Calvary. You weren't literally, but you were virtually. You were virtually. Boy, I'd like to stay on that for a while, but I don't have time. When the gospel is preached and it's inherent power, it lays bare the heart of man and his soul. It forces them to see their place should be at Calvary. On the cross, Jesus died on and made his own in our stead. Preaching the cross shuts us up to the only way of salvation, and that is the way of Jesus. For Peter tells us there's none other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. You see, the gospel is much more than following Christ along the shores of the blue Galilee. Following him as a prayed uh, on Palm Sunday enters into the streets of Jerusalem where the cries of Hosanna were ringing out across that city. We must identify with him in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. And when we do that, we must take up our cross daily. Die to ourselves. All the reproach that the world throws against us by the same token, that's the same world that not only wanted Jesus dead, but us dead too. Now, have I lost y'all? Are you still praying? Y'all stay with me till I finish this? Here's my final point. For there is another gospel that is not another gospel. That's what Paul said. Did he preach unto you any other gospel? That what you have heard, receive him not. And men preach another gospel, which is not another. Isn't that a paradoxical thing? If he preaches another gospel, yet it's not another. Y'all get it. Listen, this will go pretty quick. Any gospel which has at its heart to seek to please men, according to Galatians 1 and 10, is, is another gospel. Now look, get this. I want to please all of y'all. Everybody heard me say that? Say amen. I never would forget the first church you pastored. Boy, you, you learned so many things. I thought, man, I thought it was my responsibility to please everybody. I about lost my blooming mind, what little one I had at that time trying to do that. Now, I'm not kidding. And you know what God taught me? Put me in a little church down the southern part of Boone County, near Logan County. Two years I was there, learned more about pastoring, about who I am with God and in God and the call that God's placed than any place that I've ever been in my life. And I've carried those truths and the things that I've learned to this day. I'm God's man before I am anybody else. Everybody listening right now say amen. You all have me, but you don't own me. I love you for many reasons. One of the reasons is you all expect me to preach my heart and my mind. But I've worked. I have worked to get that kind of trust from you into me. So don't, don't ever just give it to anybody automatic. Everybody heard me say this, say amen. Demand, whoever gets in this pulpit, that they preach the truth. Demand it. And don't just take for granted they're going to give it. It doesn't work that way in this day. So look, in that verse, Galatians 1.10, Paul makes a bold statement, but a clear statement. 
He said, for do I now persuade men or God? If I seek to please men, he said, if I do, if, if, or if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of God. That's so clear even I understand that. Here's what I tell y'all. I want to please you. But I'm not coming here to please you. I come here to please one who is invisible. We can't see him, but we know he's always here. And I've learned when I please him, chances are I'll please you. And you know what that did? That liberated me and it should liberate you. Any gospel that exalts the felt need of man over a clear declaration of a holy God's word and the real needs of man is another gospel. Any gospel that promotes turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, like Jude said they would in the last days. Verse 4 of his letter is another gospel. Any gospel that's not Christ-centered but man-centered is another gospel. And that's what's going on in this Laodicean church age. Christ is on the outside of the church. Man is on the center. And the word Laodicean means church ruled by the people or church of the people's rule. It even goes so far to say the church of the people's choice. Any gospel that presents Christ with hat in hand like is mentioned earlier, as if a poor and wretched beggar wanting to get in is another gospel. Any gospel that makes the listener comfortable and strokes his or her so-called, quote, self or injured self-esteem, unquote, is another gospel. Any gospel that does not bring together a holy God and a sinful man at Calvary is another gospel. Any gospel that does not bring a man, woman, boy, or girl to a sense of their total helplessness in the presence of a holy, almighty, righteous God is Another gospel, any gospel that does not leave man or woman, boy or girl, broken in the dust of their helplessness in the presence of that holy God is another gospel. The gospel of the grace of God needs to be heralded, proclaimed. Listen to these words, I like it. I, I love certain words. I love when the Lord gives them to me. Well, I pick them up and find them. I, I just love them. Some words feel good coming off my mouth. I don't know about you all. But listen now. The grace of God must be heralded and proclaimed vehemently. And listen to this. Vigorously. Which as much, with as much clarity that is, that, that is so clearly understood by the hearing that a decision about the man from Galilee that died on the cross of Calvary for them must be made. Let me tell you all something. Whether you know it or not, every Sunday that you come in this place, every time you sit under the message of a man of God, you've got to make a decision about what you hear. You may not come in thinking about, well, what am I going to do today with the message? How am I going to react? You may not. It's built in the, it's built in the plan. It's built in the method. It's built in the message. It's built in the manner. You'll make a decision. If you're lost, I hope you make the right one. You say, why? Because, listen, your decision is going to affect your health your eternity, your heaven. It's going to affect, friend, whether you die lost or saved. See, the gospel is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way. Buddha's not right. Confucius is confused. The Muslim God isn't the same God of Christianity. We don't go to heaven by works. We go by the grace of God and every other religion. Outside of Christianity, and Christianity is more than a religion. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ. They all preach 
and promote works-based salvation. And the only way to get to heaven is through the door. By the death of the good shepherd and coming to know Christ as your Savior. Any other gospel that compromises the message of salvation by grace through faith is another gospel. Let me tell you some things. You don't have to be baptized if you're saved, but you should be. And you're never baptized in order to be saved. Here at Rocks and Land, I've already talked a lot about it. I said the next thing as you grow as a believer is to be baptized. We call it believer's baptism. I agree with going to church. I like, I like Josh's testimony and what he said. And I tell you, friend, listen, going to, going to church won't get you to heaven, but if you're going to heaven, you, you should go to church. I could go on, but I've got to go. My time's gone. The gospel has not changed since it was first pub- proclaimed. And here's why. Because the depraved hearts of men have not changed. The wise man man in Ecclesiastes 1 and 9 says this, There is no new thing under the sun. Now people all the time, those that think they're the elitist and the best educated and the most knowledgeable and experienced, question the relevance and the relevancy of the gospel of Jesus Christ in this day. Let me tell you what God told me to tell you. It's just as relevant today as it was in the day of Pentecost. It's just as relevant today as it was on the day Paul was converted on the road to Damascus. It's just as relevant today as it was on the day that Peter took the keys of the gospel, proclaimed it down at Caesarea Maritime in the house of Cornelius, where the door to the Gentile world was open. It's just as relevant today. Listen to this, and I'm almost done. This gospel that we preach is a timeless message that is always timely. That's good right there. So, I want to tell you, this is my gospel. Today, I only have one. It's centered around the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in fact... When it's all threshed out, there's only one gospel. It's the gospel that says Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. That He was buried and that He rose on the third day according to the Scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. I've been wearing that passage out for the last probably three months. I've preached on it here. I've quoted it here. I've brought it in, 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 in lessons on Wednesday night. I've preached it in my in my radio ministry I just cannot get away from it so I've learned when I get hooked on something I just keep circling and now what you do Josh you just keep circling it'll come loose when the Lord wants it'll come loose you see this gospel that I preach according to Acts 2.42 is the apostles doctrine according to Ephesians 2.20 it's the foundation of the church According to the book of 1 Corinthians 3, 3, it is the primacy of all that is to be preached by God's men who are being called to preach. It's the primacy. It's the foundational truth. It's the truth upon which we build everything else for Christ. Listen clearly. It is the gospel of the pure grace of God without any admixture of man. It is again, and I say it without apology, 
It's the message that says Christ died for our sins. That He was buried and that He rose the third day according to the Scripture. That's the gospel we preach. The gospel that I preach. And if that message is believed, once it's proclaimed in its great simplicity, it will honor both God, the Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ. And you know what it will do? Besides that, it will change. It will change, friend. Isn't that amazing? It will change a fallen and depraved sinner and make him or her a bit subject to the kingdom of heaven. Every head bowed and bowed. Everybody believes something. The thing we need to do is believe the right thing. The Bible refers to the gospel in many different ways. There's only one gospel. But it refers to it as the gospel of God because it originated with Him. It refers to it as the gospel of, uh, of Christ because He's the one that did the work to make it possible. It talks about the gospel of my salvation. And that's what I want you to get. I want you to get that gospel today. I want you to make it yours. I want you to embrace it. I want you to believe it. I want you to leave here determined that you're going to live it. Some of you have played games too long. You call yourself Christian, but you live in the depths and depravity of sin. Listen, folks, I won't get you to heaven. It's a surrender, a total surrender of your heart and your life to Jesus and say, God, I'm a sinner. Take me and use me. We'll get you there. He's got the best for you. He wants the best. So what will you do with the message today? Will you believe it to be saved or reject it to be lost forever? The choice is up to you. The church is to make much of the gospel as it's preached. As it's preached, friend. The power of the Spirit of God. This is the true gospel. It's more than about the love of God. I'm thankful for the love of God. But it's gospel also. The true gospel. It contains a warning about the wrath.